another edition of the Corner Guys Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Trambox, along with Timothy Rivera. It's nice to see you again, Thomas. Same thing with you, Tim. Um, unfortunately, we have to start the boxing show off here today with some bad news. Recently, both fighters and Maxim Dadashev and Hugo Santillan fought this past weekend in some tough, grueling fights. And unfortunately, as of today... Both boxers have tragically passed away. Uh, both were rushed to their nearest local ER emergency hospitals with brain bleeding. And unfortunately, neither fighter made it. And it's a big question that we have to cover um, in, in this episode today as far as the sport, how we can make it safer, and you know how can we avoid future travities with uh, Dadashov and Santa Leon passing away. Uh, is there any way that... Um, you know, can this be counteracted? I know, obviously, you know, most commissions have medicals, um, you know, things like that. And you yeah, can't have CAT scans, you know, pick up brain injuries, things like that. But, you know, going up and above that, is there any way that you feel fighters can be protected or at least fighters' families can be protected from tragedies such as this occurring in the future? Well, I'll have to say that uh no no i i don't think so uh i think we talked about the only way it could really happen is if you dig into the promoter's pockets you know if you have a fighter that put in their contract that they have an insurance clause for their family in case they pass that you know that may motivate promoters to protect them more you know but i mean it's not gonna stop man this shit's been going on since the the golden era of boxing you know and us as fans we we always you know bullshit about you know every time a fighter passes man we just bullshit it we, we countlessly make fun of people who get knocked out and people who you know we call quitters because you know they're getting beat the fuck up and they don't want to continue so you know it's kind of like it's stupid to me, man. It's kind of like a double standard. I, I feel, you know, bad for the fact that these fighters uh, passed away, but no one really, you know, gives a shit about making the sport safer or anything like that. Um, there's a lot of states that still don't require um, an EKG for fighters when they do their medicals. I think New York is a state that does, but, you know, I don't think Florida does. And Florida has a lot of fights. Uh, I'm not sure if Texas does. Um but there's a lot of states that still don't even regulate that kind of shit. So I'm just tired of, you know, I'm tired of the media saying, you know, how they feel bad for when a fighter dies, when they call fighters quitters all the time. And they got on fighters like, you know, like Amir Khan and, and Pacquiao. You know, you see all these memes about them, you know, whenever they get knocked out. So it's like, what are we really, you know, like there's really nothing to do is what I'm, uh, I'm trying to get at, man, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, and I think one aspect as far as the fans, and you brought it up, they'll, they'll, they'll bash people for quote-unquote quitting. And I, I saw it a few shows ago I mentioned with um, De La Hoya against Rios, where De La Hoya said his head didn't feel right, and he 
felt that was time to stop. And a lot of people I saw, oh, you quitting this and that. And it's, it's like no one was really De La Hoya in the ring at that time. They weren't the ones getting hit. They don't know what was going on. And I understand if you call a fighter a bum because maybe you just particularly don't care for that guy or maybe compared to, I don't know, let's say Crawford, he isn't good. So, all right, I understand calling fighters bums or not thinking they're good. And you're doing that. I noticed, you know, fighters are, well, who have you fought? That that doesn't matter. For example, if you go to the restaurant and you ask for a well-done steak and they bring you a bloody rare steak and they're like, this is what well-done is, you're not going to be like, oh, well, you're a chef and I'm not, so I'm going to eat this. You know what a bloody steak is compared to well-done. So in that aspect, I understand if you particularly don't like a fighter and, you know, call him out for not being good or whatever, or training technique, whatever the case may be. But – for calling fight out for quitting is a completely different scenario where, you know, these guys are the ones in there that are taking the punishment and they know when they've had enough or the corner knows when they've had enough. And it's a lot easier to live and fight for another day and have a normal life outside of boxing than just trying to push out a few extra rounds just to make the fans happy and just to not be called a quitter. And I, I see a lot of people online and with the data shaw passing away and they're taking it hard or they say they take it hard. Well, if you're taking it so hard, you know, don't bash fighters that, you know, throw in a towel in future fights. That way fighters don't feel the pressure of having to go the distance of a fight because they get stopped. Or when data shaw hopefully gets a GoFundMe, I know there's one out now, but I also know it's fan oriented. So you can never tell, you know, if that <clears throat> goes to the fighter themselves. But if he gets a GoFundMe, you know, donate some money if, if you care that much to help his family out. You know, just don't sit there and be a keyboard typist saying what a tragedy. And then the next fight, somebody quits with two rounds to go. And you're like, ah, oh, he's a quitter. That guy's no good. You know, these guys are putting their lives on the line. to, And it just shows this weekend with two guys passing. These guys, are, you know, putting their lives on the line, going to the ring, taking constant head punishment, head trauma. And the sport isn't really a... a like other sports, granted, you know, you have some injuries in football and CTE afterwards in football is more of a thing than anything. But I, I just wish fans would quit with the, you know, this guy's a quitter and all this bullshit. And when they're not the one in there getting hurt, I mean, most of these fans take one jab for Andrade and they'll quit themselves. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So, so it's like if you absolutely correct. I, I mean, like, it's so true. Like a, a fan will take a, one punch to the face, man, and they'll see exactly what it is that these these fighters go through. And I just, you know, the other fighter who died, uh, I'm I'm sorry, man. Um, Hugo Santillan. Yeah, you know, did you see the video with his corner, man? I I did, where they were trying to hold him up during the announcement, like that is that, and and the ref they. That is a fucking problem, man. Like, your fighter, your fighter is like fucking dead, man. And you're holding this dude up. Fans, you know, they're full of shit, man. Like, it's the truth, man. They're full of shit in just terms of they, like you said, they will call a fighter a quitter, man. I've, I, I, I don't think I've ever called a fighter a quitter, but I've, you know, of course I've called them bums before, but. It's just one of these things where, you know, nothing is going to change, man. Nothing is going to – there's going to be future fighters who die. You know what I mean? There's going to be future fighters who die, sadly. You know, it's it's up to the promoters, man. It's up to the commissions to, you know, not have these, like, you know, old-ass fighters, you know. You know, like, 
people like Orlando Salido and fucking um, Demarcus Corley and people like that who are old as shit now, you know, and they're still fighting. So, when Williams, yeah, you know, it, 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 it's one of these things where like it's not a factor, you know, that if you are an old fighter that you're gonna necessarily, you know, die in the ring, but you know, it doesn't help, man. It's a bigger risk. So maybe, you know, you have age regulations, you have an EKG in every state. And the reason I don't want it in every state is because it's expensive. That's the reason, man. They have them in New York because New York, you know, promoters in New York are able to afford it. But it's just fucking expensive. So you don't have it in so many states. But, you know, it's just a thing. It, future fighters are going to die. I hate to say it, man. But, I, you know, I always try to keep it real when we do these podcasts. Fans are going to mourn them and then they're going to go back to not giving a shit. So that's my take on it. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you with you know certain commissions. Obviously, you know Commission Arkansas. You know if you if you do full medicals across the board, uh, a, a small show in Arkansas isn't going to be able to operate. Whereas the bigger show in New York, California, Texas, things like that will be able to move on. So it brings the question: Whereas you know the big fights can stay alive, but what about all these club shows where local fighters earn a living or prospects get? the exposure they need or things like that, where, you know, it's a really tough situation because again, you know, it's very expensive to get all medicals done. So bigger shows can survive and live off that, but smaller shows can't. And I really do think, as you mentioned, that promoters have to take some accountability for, especially if it's their fighter. If you promote a fighter, you should have a certain amount of insurance out on them to help them, or at least their families cover costs if something tragic happens to them. Uh, for example, Top Rank has Dadashov. I know they paid for his funeral costs, but at the same time, I mean, Bob Arum's been a millionaire X amount of times over from boxing. It, it's not too hard. And maybe he has and it hasn't been talked about, but it's not too hard about, you know, throwing Dadashov's family a little bit of money to help them get through. In this time, I mean, I believe he has a kid, he has a wife. In it just, and then again with the promoters, Bob Arum could do this. But let's say you're fighting on a show in Nashville by some local promoter. God forbid somebody dies in this car, they're not going to have the money to, you know, supply for a fighter. So it it's really hard to say what to do. I definitely think major promoters that everyone's familiar with, top rank, uh, Don King for the one fighter he has left. Uh, Dazen isn't really a promoter, but they work with Matchroom uh, and Golden Boy. All, all these major promoters, I think anyone that fights on their shows, they should have an insurance policy and guaranteed medical costs covered if something should happen for them. And with the smaller shows, I mean, if you want the smaller shows to go on, it's a lot more tricky. I don't think, unfortunately, there's a lot you can do, but they have to make sure they do what they can. For example, when Wes Taylor went to fight David Long in Ohio somewhere, uh, I remember Wes landed and there's a few things that happened that didn't make sense. But what, what the biggest thing I had a problem with Wes had his blood, didn't have blood work up to date. And he never took his blood work at that fight show. They actually just had a doctor write him saying that his blood work is fine. And Wes was a little intimidated because he just thought, well, if my blood work was looked over, you know, what about this guy's? So I said it was entirely up to him. If he wants to take the fight 
or if he just wanted to walk out of the fight, I was 100% for it either way. He wound up, you know, still taking the fight. I don't remember that promoter, but if anyone wants to look at my box rec, West Taylor versus David Long, it was in Ohio years back. But whoever that promoter was, they forged that blood work. West Taylor never took blood work for that fight. They knew going in he didn't have blood work, said they were going to get it done, and they just wrote him a note. That's absolutely sickening. That's absolutely sickening. And it's like, that's not even a big fucking fight. No offense to Wes Taylor and David Long, but fuck that fight. That's not even a big fight, man. Like, I met, you know, like, uh, you see the, 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 um, not to go into a different scenario, but you see the Dylan White situation, right? And how they said that Eddie Hearns and Dylan White knew about that shit three days, three days before this fight happened and they covered it up, you know? So you can imagine all the bullshit that goes on in the bigger fights. You know, with hiding stuff and uh, medicals and the fact that, you know, I, I'm not accusing Pacquiao, but the fact that, you know, uh, Vada didn't seem to be a um, a factor in his fight with Furman. You know, so they really seem to push things aside or look past some things when it comes to certain fighters and big engagements. Yeah, not to throw Mayweather under the bus because... No one's sure if he's ever failed anything. After the Pacquiao fight, there was that illegal substance that he took or um, injection or whatever before the Pacquiao fight. But I'm not even going to go into that. But let's just use him for example. Let's say Mayweather loses, fails, not excuse me, uh, fails his drug test before a mega fight. Let's say Pacquiao too. Mayweather completely bombs the drug test. Do you think Vegas and the powers that be are going to be like, you know what, we got to cancel this fight, or? The Dylan White Revis case, especially a fight that magnitude that's bringing that much money, are they going to let that fight happen? And then after that fight, are they probably going to cover it up too? Oh, they'll let the fight happen. They'll let it happen. I mean, it's a hundred percent. That's that. Um, you're dealing with billions when you when you talk about Mayweather and Pacquiao. You're dealing you're dealing with billions, and there's no way that the the forces at hand, the promoters the casino, the fighters themselves, uh, and all the people who place wages on those fights are going to, you know, th- that fight is not going to be canceled. We know this. We know that um, certain fighters are going to be protected from steroid usage. Uh, or if, if they are, you know, confirmed to have used steroids, they'll get bullshit suspensions like Canelo did. I think what I think you uh, alluded to earlier when we weren't on this podcast that way he only got six months if I'm correct, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's that kind of thing. You're you're gonna have fighters that are cheating in both sports. I think you know you use John Jones as an example as well. I'm not going to get into UFC because it's a boxing podcast, but it happens in all these sports, man. Where you're gonna let your biggest stars. Uh, get away with shit because they're making you so much money. Yeah, it's the sad truth, but unfortunately, it is the truth. And in the long West Taylor fight, that doesn't make any sense because blood work is only eighty dollars in some place. It's not expensive, but just to show that it happened in that small of a fight with a promoter trying to cut corners, what would happen in a bigger fight? An example, mega fights, and you could see that these guys are known to have steroids in their system, are still getting pushed through to at least fight. I'm going to guess a lot of fights that are found out afterwards is probably money to cover it up, all because no one wants to lose money. The fighters don't want to lose money. The promoters that are promoting these shows and the venues, they don't want to lose money. And 
it's just really sad the boxing's turned to this. I don't know if a national commission would help any, but there has to be some force of in boxing that everyone has to answer to. A national commission kind of scares me because it's government run and the government tends to fuck up everything. But if you can get at least the national commission, it wasn't government ran that was fielded by people that really cared about the safety of fighters and the future of the sport. There has to be something done where, you know, different states have different rules and different states have different drugs, uh, drug testing or none that actually happen or medical. There has to be a uniform system where if I go to Texas or California or Arkansas or Florida, I'm at least getting a really set guideline wherever I go on ruling, medicals, uh, everything of that nature where – you know, some places have a standing eight count. Some places don't have a standing eight count. Things like that. That seems simple, but boxing just needs at least the United States one overall umbrella. And to jump into the steroid PED usage, I think, you know, to really stop people from doing it, give them suspensions that matter. Canelo got suspended six months for the G3 fight. And you know what? Wound up fighting G3. Still got his payday six months later. What? Mm-hmm. What was the punishment? I think minor things places can do. A lot of times, if someone's found out to have steroids after the fight, I notice they mark their fights down as no contest. I think instead of a no contest, mark it off as a DQ loss. Because in today's boxing, losses are historically bad. Because God forbid you have one loss. Since that is another attitude that the fans and most fighters take. One loss and you're garbage, apparently. But, you know, change instead of a no contest... Change it to DQ loss to the fighter that popped on steroids. That's one idea. Second idea, if you get caught with a performance-hancing drug, give them a suspension. Make it at least a year to two years. If they fail again, maybe a lifetime ban or maybe double that suspension, three or four years. you got to think boxing your window is kind of small. If you get a year suspension, that may not be the worst thing in the world. But if you fail again and get two years, because Dylan White's had a run-in with steroid usage before i don't remember exactly what it was but if you check it out he had a pd something in in the past so this would be a second failure to me kick him out let him be done and that would be the end of dylan white i absolutely agree with you honestly two years ban first time lifetime second time no no excuses listen i i understand that people take shakes and shit like that and there, you know, you can accidentally take something in your system, but if you do it twice, man, like that, you're done. You know, Dylan White should be done. I know he only failed it once, but Gerald Miller should be done just because of how blatant the fact that there was three different uh, roids that were in his system. I believe, you know, something as blatant as that, you should be done. I don't know, man. It's it, it's such a an interesting like circumstance in a sport where you know you have two fighters die this week and then you have uh someone getting caught with steroids this is a sport where you know it's a brutal sport to begin with man whether you know when you're clean so that that it's just you're trying to literally kill a man if you're taking steroids man like gerald miller i really believe was trying to kill anthony joshua that night Dylan White was trying to kill uh, Oscar Rivas that night. You know, it's just it's bullshit, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's 
and like you said, everyone, you know, is, oh, steroid usage, bad, or, you know, they mourn these fighters. And like you said, but a week or two later, it's like everyone forgets again. And the cycle goes right back to it. And something has to be done where somebody steps in and says, you know what? This is what's going to happen if you have steroid usage. And then the only bad part is you probably can find the United States. But, you know, if you went over to the UK, are they going to have uniform uh, policies like the US on steroids or whatever the case is? And apparently not because Dylan White, you know, was pushed through in a lot of fight. If that's true, that a sample A did did fail. So I'm hoping in his case, maybe the sample B says, you know, it's he was all right. And it was just a mistake with the sample A somehow. But, you know. I, I at least want to see us living in the United States. I want to see we clean up boxing on our side where, you know, I'm not also a note, not not to say he was ever on it, but it made me think also with Anthony Joshua. You know, you saw him in the Klitschko fight where he had the late endurance, came through and, you know, stopped Klitschko late. And you saw him go 12 rounds in a lot of the fights. And I know he got concussed up against Ruiz, but he also seems to tank out an energy really early. So it makes me think with the fight being you and not to say that steroids are rampant everywhere as well. So don't make it seem like if you're listening that I'm picking on the UK in this instance. But it makes me wonder if that fight would have been in the UK, would they have if Joshua would have popped? Is it covered? If he popped, would they have let it? gone through and then covered you know it's so it really makes you wonder and it's really gonna look really bad for uh eddie hearn if revis was found out to be a drug cheat and they knew ahead of time it makes you wonder what else has happened you know in other fights that eddie hearn has had a part of i mean listen if i'm if i'm andy ruiz man don't go to the uk eddie hearns looks bad because this was a man who a couple well, I wouldn't say a couple of weeks ago, but when Gerald Miller was discovered to have used steroids, he ripped Gerald Miller. Your fighter, your fighter was caught and you covered his shit up, man. So there's no credibility with Eddie Hearns, man. You know, um, I'm not going to say Anthony Josh forever used steroids, but, you know, you can't trust any of his fucking fighters now. Yeah, and not to imply that I think Joshua did. I'm just, you know, if you look at it from the aspect of what happened with White and Hearn at this point. And he also made up a good point about Hearn. A few weeks ago, he wanted Jarrell Miller to get a lifetime ban, kick him out of the sport. But now with White, he's dancing around the issue. And you see it with fighters that get robbed. Salida, a few weeks back, that heavyweight, uh, Franklin, he had a robbery decision. The next night, one of his fighters that fought Greer, uh, I don't remember the foreign kid's name, but he lost the decision he should have won. And now Salida's like, oh, let's make a protest and this and that, which, you know, he has the right to do. He's the promoter. But why didn't you want to make a protest when your fighter won? So the sport is just so hypocritical when something happens to a fighter that's not yours or a person that you don't have an interest in. It becomes this major issue. But once something does happen, you know, to one of your guys, then it's like, oh, well, you know, I mean, there's really no easy way to fix anything, unfortunately, in the sport. But. Somewhere somebody has to step in. I really hope it's a national commission that's ran by solid individuals that can help fix bad judging, can help fix PED usage, can help fix fighters passing away or getting seriously injured in the sport, uh, which is the, probably the hardest of the three because obviously, you know, people are throwing punches each other's head. But, you know, maybe things they can look at is better trained referees. And always having medical people 
in the corner with everything they need because some places don't even have oxygen ringside. You know, ha- make sure that medical teams are always there with everything they can possibly need. You know, make sure there's a plan of getting that fighter to the nearest emergency room so they can have the quickest access to doctors and and, and tools that they need to hopefully pull through uh, may, maybe in the lower weights getting out away from the eight ounce gloves and moving up a glove size, which would make, you know, less knockouts. But to me, I, I, as long as you're not dancing around the ring, throwing four jabs and just constantly moving around and you're actually boxing, I don't my, uh, mind technical boxing fights. You know, I just want to see a way for the sport to be safer as a whole and to operate better as a whole. Now, if it happens, that's the bad part. Probably not because, again, most people will probably two weeks from now will forget, you know, anyone even passed this weekend, unfortunately. And then the next time someone passes, it's going to be, oh, my God, the tragedy. But what have you done to help the uh, to help the tragedy, to stop the tragedy? What has promoters done to, to, to counteract what's going on? And unfortunately, it's nothing for the most part. And that's why it keeps happening because nobody's doing anything. They won't do anything. They don't like I said. They don't give a shit. They don't. They do not give a shit, man. They could. They will just use these fighters' deaths as publicity to try to look human. But that's it. That's all it's gonna be, man. You know, like they're not gonna do anything for them, man. They're not gonna do anything for their families. They don't have the balls to put an insurance clause into the contract. It, it's none. None of this shit is gonna happen, man. I mean, it's sad, but you know, it's probably true, because. It's been happening for so many years. So why why would it change now? But I mean, hopefully, you know, maybe it, it'll take the deaths of two young fighters and the failed drug test to white all in the same weekend for fans just to take a stand and push forward and maybe make a change to some of these promoters to, you know, find a heart to go out of their way to help make a change. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I just I love the sport. I just hate the people in it. I realized how bad it was once I started working in the sport. It's it's people really just in it for their own pockets, which is sad. But that's really what it comes down to. I agree. I, I concur on that point. And then speaking of steroid usage, not to throw him under the bus, uh, Manny Pacquiao surprised everyone in this podcast and won a close 12-round split decision against Keith Thurman. Uh, now, and again, back to the PED usage, Pacquiao's never actually failed the test that we know of. But if you compare Pacquiao to the Jeff Horn fight and even the Broner fight where he could fight in spurts, the first six rounds, he looked like Pacquiao of 10 years ago. And not to say that there was any odd business at hand, but you know, how did you get stronger from the Horn fight? How did you get faster from the Horn fight? It's something that makes makes you wonder. Not to discredit Pacquiao's win, I think he's been a great fighter. He's been great for the sport, but just to do that at 41, it seems a little bit odd. And if people want to say, "Oh, Hopkins and Foreman and Fitzsimmons and all the Foreman had power. He's very slow, sluggish of power. Power's last thing to go. Hopkins was crafty. His fights were terrible to watch in his later years, but that's because he had to outthink opponents. He had to take the air out the ball. He had to make these fights." ugly to win Fitzsimmons way before my time I, I I didn't see that fight but I know he was one of the guys to win a belt at 40 a major belt over 40 but I've never seen a guy have lightning quick combos and great endurance and it looked like Keith Thurman was in a knife fight after the fight so 
you know, it makes you wonder. I, I mean, I can't accuse him of anything. Um, I, all I can say is that, you know, it was a, it was a great one for Pacquiao. Like you said, it surprised everyone on the panel that uh, predicted the fight. We all thought that he was going to lose by knockout. I mean, Keith Furman, he came in with a shitty game plan in the fight. And uh, the whole thing with Pacquiao is he he looked he looked younger, you know, like like you said, like I'm not gonna accuse him of anything. I'm not. I can't. I can't do that unless he's caught. But you know, he looked like the the Pacquiao that fought Cotto, man. You know, he looked at that young um, punch at at angles. Uh, he didn't look slow like he did in the Lucas Matisse fight and the Adrian Broner fight. You know, he actually looked like the 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 Pacquiao of old. And I and if Manny Pacquiao fans um, don't find that shit suspicious, then uh, they're fooling themselves because you don't. I, I'm not 40 yet, um, but uh, I'm sure you can vouch for this, Thomas. You don't all of a sudden turn back the clock physically at 40, you know, to look like your your younger version. So, um, not to throw you under the bus, I'm sorry, but you. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's really suspicious. Um, I, I I don't know where Pacquiao goes from here because you know damn well he ain't gonna fight Spence. And, you know damn well he ain't gonna fight Crawford. I'm more interested in where he goes from here as as opposed to if he take if he took steroids or not because you know the man wasn't caught. I can't I can't accuse him of of doing it. You know Dylan White was caught red-handed. Gerald Miller was caught red-handed. So. Where does he go from here? Well, to re-reference to Pacquiao, I'm not saying he did anything. I'm just saying certain times things look a little suspicious where it has to make you wonder. Same thing with Anthony Joshua. You have a bodybuilder build on you, and you're going you know, 12 rounds into fights. It makes you wonder. I've, I've never seen R. Kelly actually have sex with an underage girl, but when you hear all the stories, you know, and I, I didn't watch that video when it was first released, but when you hear all the stories – you know, it kind of makes you wonder where there's smoke, there's fire, I guess would be the easiest thing to say. Uh, as far as where Pacquiao goes, I mean, rematch with Thurman would be a viable option. That would seem to be something that obviously won the first fight. He could win the second fight. I can't see him going for Spence and Crawford, but stranger things have happened. He's almost 41, so... You know, the American somewhere down the line, he could throw that overseas and no one's going to care about the fight. But you can get, you know, X amount of millions fighting in Dubai or somewhere over there. So I really can't gauge where he's going to go. I remember after the fight, he said he was probably done for the year. So now we're looking at Manny Pacquiao come back in the ring at 41. So, you know, is he still going to have those lightning quick combos and that endurance and be able to throw? I think the first two rounds, he threw some outlandish number of punches and. I don't know. Again, I can't accuse the guy. I've been a huge Pacquiao fan. I think he's great for the sport. I think if, keyword if, he ever has used PEDs, I think he would still be a great fighter without it. But just with that performance, it it does make me wonder. As far as Thurman, I think he tries to go for Pacquiao rematch. If he doesn't get that, I think he fights Broner. That's my uh, idea's oh. worth. Oh. That's that's awful. I mean, listen, you're probably right, man. But goddamn, um, Adrian Broner, he's uh, 
he he's in that in that class that we always talk about with Khan, Sam Peters. Now um uh Chavez Jr. is coming back. Uh. He's in he's in he's in the class of those legends, man, where you just wanna see him retired, man. And Mike Lee now too. Shout out to Mike Lee. Um, you know, he's just in that class now, man. Like, um I hate I don't even make this about Broner, but God, Keith, Keith Furman and Adrian Broner, please do not make that fight happen, man, because that's terrible for boxing. Um, I mean, listen, if if Pacquiao faces Spence or Crawford, then we know he's doing steroids because that's the only way he's going to have a chance of beating these motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> those, those are, like, just... I mean, God, imagine him versus Crawford, man. That That is... That is an asshole, thing, man. That, that's that's a beating right there. I really have. I really wish Keith Furman would have won, just so we don't have this scenario of what's next for Pacquiao. I'm I'm a fan of his, but to an extent, I feel like him and Floyd Mayweather are gonna get it on next, and I don't want to see that shit. And I think that's really, really, really bad for boxing if um if that fight happens. But for some reason, man, like. I I just have this weird feeling that that fight is going to be what occurs next for uh from Pacquiao. I could definitely see it happening. We touched on it on the Pacquiao uh, pay per view podcast special that we have with Marquise. I could definitely see that happening. It it's good in the sense that it's going to bring in revenue and it's going to bring in a lot of casual fans, but it's bad for the sense once they see that finished product. You're not going to see Pacquiao, and granted, maybe with a different fighter angles moving around, but you're not going to see Pacquiao throwing his hundred punches around. You're going to see the same effort the last fight, and I, there's no need for, I think, fans of boxing to see it. They're going to try and make it a spectacle like McGregor and, and Mayweather, and it, it's just, to me, there's no need for it. I don't need to see Mayweather's pockets get lined. Just stay retired. Uh, Pacquiao's been great for the sport overall, but I don't want to see him sit around too long where he's fighting. It's, I saw that he said he wanted to fight to 45. That to me is outlandish that he wants to fight to 45. If he does want to fight at 45 and keeps the same level of speed, aggression, power, then it's like, at what point did we just, you know, come on now? You know, nothing against Pacquiao. I love him, but, you know, come on. Here's the thing, man. Like, do we really need, like, do we really need to bring in casual fans? I think casual fans that come in that see a fight and love the fight, they stay as boxing fans. If that happens, that's great. But as far as a casual fan that just goes and sees the quote-unquote mega fights, the sport doesn't particularly need that. I understand the promoters will generate money from that and Pacquiao Mayweather and all parties involved, but you know how does that help the sport? You know, if you get some casual fans in and they're staying and they see a great fight or they're on the fence about boxing and they see a great fight, like everyone, if they think about it at home or in the car, wherever they are, the first fight you remember is a boxing fan that hooked you and was like, I got to keep watching that. The Mayweather Pacquiao 2 is not going to be it. It's going to be no. a boring fight, the same as the first, probably worse because if you have acceptable drug testing again, not to say anything about anybody. You're going to see two older guys, Mayweather, that's been retired for a few years and hasn't fought an actual boxing match in, I don't know, since, what, the Birdo X amount of years ago. You're not going to see an exciting fight. It's not going to hook a fan into saying, you know what, this is a sport I'm going to grow up loving. 
it's not. So I'd rather them save the money to put it towards another fight that could be a mega fight. You know, it's different promoters, but let me see Spence Crawford, you know, invest the money in boxing into that fight, you know, or maybe Usyk and Joshua, let's say if Joshua rematches beats Ruiz, let me see that fight. You know, let me see some of these other major fights that boxing fans have been clamoring for than a retread of a fight that waited too long in the first place to happen. And now years later, it's supposed to be a rematch, which I, I, I just don't see the, the point of it, honestly, besides lining the pockets of the few parties that are involved. I mean, the, the sad part is that a lot of casual fans, right, they have absolutely no idea who Terrence Crawford is, nor do they know who Earl Spence is. But they know damn well who Floyd Mayweather is and who Manny Pacquiao is. That's a fucking – that's a problem, you know, and that's – that's the only reason why this fight has potential to be made. Um, for hardcore boxing fans, that's a terrible fight. No one wants to see Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather get it on again. Nor did we want to, I didn't want to see it in the first place. I wanted to see it when, when it was supposed to happen. Um, the right time. 2009, I, I, 10, they yeah, were talking about. Yes. When, when Pacquiao was beating up Ricky Haddon and beating up Cotto and, and uh, Floyd, you know, he was on the top of his game. Um, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say who the opponents he beat, but the the Haddon and, and Cotto one stand out to me with Pacquiao, and that's when we really wanted to see the fight because that was one of these times where we were like, you know, Floyd is undefeated, and here's a man that can really probably beat him. Yeah, something that at least seems like a coin flip. Yeah, when they fought, when they finally fought. Uh, I had no doubt in my mind that Floyd was going to win. And the reason that was is because this was an older Pacquiao who did not have that firepower anymore that he had um, at the times when he was beating Cotto and beating Haddon. So, it, you know, but I'm still asked by casual fans, you know, uh, what do I think of Pacquiao? What do I think about Floyd? Is Floyd the greatest of all time? This and that. And it's like no one ever asked a Terrence Crawford question. And Terrence Crawford is probably the best fighter in the world right now. But I never hear a Terrence Crawford question from a casual fan. Never hear Earl Spence question. Um, Usek is probably like maybe top, definitely top five fighter in the world. You never hear a Usek question. Uh, you hardly ever hear Lomachenko question. The only reason you hear Lomachenko question is because he had a video with uh, TJ Dillashaw. That's the only thing I ever hear. How would he do in MMA, Lomachenko? This and that. Like, so I don't need casual fans, man. Casual fans are bad for boxing. See, boxing, not to compare it to WWE, but this is how I'm going to compare it. WWE, once they beat out WCW years ago, they had a lot of star power. They had, you know, Stone Cold. They had The Rock. The Undertaker was still there. They had a lot of star power. Boxing has to find a way to promote and move the stars they currently have or that are currently being made. Crawford, you named them all, Crawford, Lomachenko, uh, Spence, all these guys, instead of relying on old names to sell the sports of fans. Because if you look at what's happened to WWE now, they they – I stopped watching for a few months because I just can't take it. They they just don't know how to market who they have. So they try to bring back The Undertaker, who's like 50 and a 
you know, it's like, come on now, just let this man retire. They try to bring back these old stars to to get in the old fans or to bring in, you know, more casual fans. Like, oh, this guy was Stone Cold was one of the best. And but they don't know how a market who they have now that can last them a decade. And I see that being an issue for boxing, like you said, where no one really knows of Crawford outside of, you know, the fans of the sport. No one really knows the Spence. No one really knows Lomachenko and Usyk. Even though they're foreigns, that could be part of an issue too. But, you know, people know of Pacquiao or people know of Mayweather or know the major names. But what happens when these major names retire? You know, you're left with, you know, guys that go under the radar. They're not being promoted the right way and pushed to the general population, not just boxing fans, but the general population of people where new fans come out and new fans start watching and, you know, money's regenerated and put back into the sport. And I think that's the parallel I could see between the WWE and boxing where they're just not promoting who they have now to the best of their abilities. They rather put on old Pacquiao Mayweather two where both guys in their forties then really put down and, and sit there and think, how can we get Spence and Crawford to fight? Or how can we get these guys in the mainstream and things like that? And I think in the long run, that could be an issue for boxing. You know, when my son grows up and if he takes into boxing, probably will through me, but his friends, they may not even be familiar with boxing 10, year, 10 years from now when, you know, kids are in their teens, you know, what fighters are being pushed to the mass public. I I agree. I mean, you even see like how some of these fighters formed into stars. Uh, like you take Canelo, for example. I could be wrong, but I think he formed into a star by fighting Floyd. And I think Floyd became a star by fighting Oscar. Yeah. And these cash cows like Floyd and Canelo and uh, Pacquiao, who are pretty much the only cash cows in the sport right now, they are will not be willing to fight these up and coming guys that has the potential to be known to casual fans like with Crawford and Spence, and that's also the problem that you know these these cash cows are not giving up the that uh that title yet you know um like the fact that Canelo is going to face this um that they were in negotiations with the the guy who fought Jacobs. Oh well, actually to inform you now apparently. From what I understand, he's looking towards Kovalev because Dazen told him he could fight Derachenko, but if he fought Derachenko, he had to rematch G3 in his next fight. So instead of doing that, they're refocusing on fighting Kovalev either in October, I think October 26th or 19th, something like that, 19th, 26th. And that's going to be the fight they're trying to go for. And then. Derchenko is probably going to fight for the vacant IBF belt at that point against somebody, and hopefully G3, because that'd be a decent fight at least, and that'd be a, a decent win under G3's le- ledger, assuming he gets it and it's not too past it. But um, but there you go, just to update you on that fight. Thank you. I will say this, man, that another problem with casual fans, not to get on them so much, but they always want rematches. <laughs> they. they they always want rematches, man. They always want a, a Pacquiao Mayweather 2 or fucking Triple G Canelo 3. You know, it's like, like I said, man, they're bad for the sport. Uh, there's only like a select few fighters that they ever asked me about, and they're all the same. 
They're all the same characters, man. And it's just like, you know. <laughs> what is good for the sport is the best fighting the best. And we have that this weekend with Ramirez and Hooker both unifying at 140, which is a great fight. The odds are very close right now. I think Ramirez is negative 135. Hooker's plus 110 or 115 around that range. I don't have it in front of me right this second. But that is a great fight. I think that can help the sport survive fights like this, and it could help new fans come into the sport as well. So I'm 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 hoping it's as good as I think it'll be. I'm trying to tell all my friends that aren't real big boxing fans to watch it. And what do you think about that fight? See Ramirez winning that fight. I see him winning that fight. Um, I'm not completely sold on Hooker yet. Uh, you know what? Uh, besides one. Off performance against uh, Zapata or Cepeda. Uh, Ramirez has looked fucking phenomenal to me. And I just think he's the better boxer. You know, I, I think Hooker is, in a lot of ways, the product. Um, which most most fighters who are undefeated nowadays are products of this. Uh, of just good matchmaking. I, I have Ramirez winning this by decision. I, I have him winning by... Maybe maybe eight rounds to four, something like that. It's, it's a real 50-50 fight for me. And like you said, Ramirez had that one off fight, while Hooker's had a few. So in that sense, it makes me think Ramirez, where Ramirez is a better offensive fighter. I think as far as pure boxing, technically, I think Hooker may be a little bit better. But the big... Factors that I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Hooker by decision, whether he earns it or not. And the two factors I have for this is that he's fighting near his hometown. I think he's in College Station. So he's near his hometown, which the crowd would be behind him. And then you have that effect of, you know, punches that almost land or don't land as hard, get cheered on, things like that, which could influence the refs. The other thing is top rank has Ramirez. Am I correct? Yes. And I believe Dazen's putting on the card. They have Hooker because Matchroom has Hooker. Yeah. Dazen definitely needs a win here. After what happened to White and after the failed drug test of – not after – excuse me, what happened to Joshua? And then what happened with White with the failed drug test and the controversy and everything that, you know, if Hearn and, and White knew why the fight – be allowed to happen and now the cover-up and kind of not saying that he failed the test but dancing around the issue Dazen really needs a win and then if you look further you know again Joshua and Wilder supposed to be a mega huge fight where that would really carry a lot of money into Dazen that's not happening for the near future Canelo G3 was supposed to be another big fight that was supposed to be huge and kind of bringing this big cash flow of days that's not happening at least in the near future Dazen and Matchroom desperately need a win here. And not to say that, you know, that could influence judges, but we have seen where the house fighter, who in this case I think is Hooker, needs a win. So I think for Ramirez to win this outright, he has to look really impressive, which isn't impossible because we have seen him look impressive. Uh, the Imam fight, for example, he looked good uh, or great actually in that fight. But he really has to shine here or else I think it's going to want to be in a draw or like a hooker 
smooth decision if he earns it or not. And nothing against Hooker. I think he has the potential, if he fights up to potential, to win it outright, a decision. I just think with the factors of the fans' influence of the judges and the judges maybe being influenced of Hooker needing this. And last fight, no, not two podcasts ago, we talked about it where I thought it was a silent agreement between judges and promoters, whereas, you know, if you go from a house fighter, I'll keep putting you on these shows and giving you these five-figure paydays to fly out and have a free trip for a weekend and take these fights. I mean, I hope that doesn't happen here. I hope we get a clear winner where you're like, all right, the fans afterwards can say, all right, this guy 100% won. I don't think it'd be a knockout. I think it'll go decision, and that leaves the door open for some controversy. So, you know, we got let's see what happens. I just hope it's a good one, and I hope it's a fair one. So you're going to hooker by corruption. I'm going to go with hooker. And I will say that's 50% corruption and 50% that I think after watching two fights ago when he fought, uh, who was it, Sosedo? Not that Ramirez and Sosedo are the same type of fighter overall, but they do have similarities, I think, as far as the offense goes. And I think if hooker's on top of his game – he can win outright. That's not impossible. But again, I've also seen really shitty versions of Hooker in the ring. If that version shows up, Ramirez should, you know, like you said, easily, you know, have a clear win. But then I start to think, well, the corruption factor. So when you factor both those in, I'm going to go with Hooker close. I just want the right I, man away. I, I I see what you're saying. I just feel like Ramirez has had less uh, bad outings than Hooker. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not convinced on Hooker. I think a lot of what he has done is based off of um, a very good matchmaking. So, I mean, we'll see. But I'm going with Ramirez. I, I like when we disagree on fights. You know, um, I remember that happening with you guys and Figaro. I don't know how that turned out. But I just know that... Uh, I like when we disagree on fights. I was going for you guys. And I haven't said that on the show. The only reason I want Figueroa is because everyone <laughs> had the same picks for every fight. But I, I, I saw a pathway that Figueroa could win, which is uh, outworking Yugas. Because Yugas isn't a mover or boxer sense. He's there for you out to outwork. And that's how Porter won his rounds when he realized he wasn't a boxer. Porter's a Porter, he's a brawler. But, um, you know, if you put a gun to my head, it was like, make a pick. I would say Yugas. But in this one, if you put a gun to my head, I, I really couldn't pick. When the fight was first announced, I thought Ramirez. I'm not fully sold on either, honestly. But as you said, Ramirez had less bad outings than Hooker overall. And that's why I thought Ramirez. But when I really started thinking, I, I thought back to two fights ago for Hooker. And then I started thinking about, you know, days and really needing this win with everything that's been going on. I, I, I can see Hooker. Winning a decision, even though if he's not supposed to. I think for, for Ramirez to win this outright, I think he has to be like 9-3. Like 9-3 is going to get you a split decision, or 8-4 is going to get you a split decision. And a clear 9, like a clear 9-3, 8-4 at best is going to give him a split decision. If there's, you know, anything that's close where you watch the fight and you're like, it's a draw, or you watch the fight and you're like, oh, 115, 113 Ramirez, or even if you're like 116, 112 Ramirez, there's a good chance Hooker gets that decision on the cards, in All my right. opinion. Well, let me ask you a question for some of our fans. 
because this is your expertise, and I, I will always ask you about this. How, if a fan wanted to, how does he go into approaching this in a bet? Betting-wise, how do you approach a fight like this? I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but I will say one bet that I would seriously look at is Javante Davis fighting this weekend. If Javante Davis can't take this guy out in three rounds, if you see a one through six knockout prop for Javante Davis, that is extremely solid. If you see a one to three, which will probably get you better odds, I don't see how Javante Davis doesn't stop this guy within three rounds. That's my opinion. I, I've, I've watched some video on him, and I've looked at his record, and I, I – I don't see it. If Javante Davis comes even halfway motivated, because you never really know what he's going to do. That's my only fear is that sometimes he struggles to make weight and you come in and he sloths it around for a certain amount of rounds. But if he comes in even halfway motivated, he takes this guy out in short order. He has to. It, it's the only thing that makes sense to me by looking well, at everything I've looked at. I appreciate that uh, betting advice. What I will say, and I put this on my Facebook, is that I think that fight will last 40 I think the fight will last 40 seconds. I think Nunez has a style that is so fucking wrong for Javante Davis. Unless unless Davis gets clipped, he has not shown a bad chin. I've never seen him dazed or anything like that. Unless he gets clipped, Davis is going to overwhelm him. Uh, I don't think... I don't never seen Davis being a, a slow starter. So I, I think that this fight ends very, very quickly. I also think that the reason that Davis could be mo- motivated, and maybe I'm stretching here. I, I, I've been known to do that before, but you know, the, the whole thing is no, you know, he, he always seems to be forgotten in the picture, man. You know, he always seems to be, everyone says, uh, you know, Burchett could beat him and all this, and all this other shit. So he's always, I always think that Javonna Davis always wants to prove himself when he gets in there. You know, cause he's always, you never hear a lot of people like, until he's actually fighting, you never hear people really talk about Javonna Davis, except if it's against Lomachenko, which will never happen. But you never really hear people say, you know, I'm a Javonna Davis fan or, you know, I can't wait to see this this dude fight and shit like that. So I think, you know, I always think that he's he's going in there for a spectacular performance. Uh, I, I, like I said, 40 seconds. Give it 40 seconds. Davis by first round knockout is my prediction. And that's why that one to three prop looks good. If you really want to get crazy, roll the dice and take Davis by knockout either in the first or the second or the third. You know, take one of those. But the reason why people aren't talking about Davis a lot is because he fights fucking Ricardo Nunez. And that really puts an end to that. That's why no one's talking about him. He hasn't had a good fight since Pedraza, which I think was like two and a half years ago. That was his last really impressive win to me. So Why do you think this is? I I don't know. And I know Tevin Farmer wants to fight him. I, I You know, I have we have the the corner guys face, uh, excuse me, Twitter page where, you know, you follow us, tweets us or whatever the case may be. But so I've been really getting into the Twitter where I look at people and what they're posting, but Tevin farmer calls him out often. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the only holdup I'm making that fight is on Javante Davis side. Maybe I'm wrong here, but it just seems like that's the holdup I'm making that fight. So make the fight. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> you think that has to do with Floyd since he's his promoter? I I, I don't know. I, I Unless they know something about Davis that we don't, you know, we're, we don't watch him sparring. Maybe, like you said, his chin hasn't been, you know, shown to be faulty, but we haven't seen this chin test. We haven't seen him face really good B plus type guys. So maybe Floyd knows his chin's test. Maybe Floyd knows he can be easily outboxed or I, I really can't say what it is, but for him not getting good fights at this point of his career, holding on to a major championship and only being 24, it's got to be coming from his camp at this point. It only has to be coming from his camp. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, listen, the guy has all the, I think he was a three time national uh, gold glove champ. I mean, it's not like this, it's not like Davis doesn't have the pedigree to be great. He's, you know, and he's an exciting fighter. I mean, that Pedraza fight was a good fight, man. You know, I I wouldn't say I'm a Javante Davis fan, but I enjoy watching him. And, I mean, yeah, it got to be coming from Floyd, man. Like, Floyd is just a shit promoter. Like, he's just a shitty fucking promoter. He just is. I mean, what? What fighter has become a fucking star out of the Mayweather? I, I, the only one I could think of is Badu Jack, and he's not even a star. So, what what fighter out of that that stable has honestly done anything in boxing? Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Jack is the best name. I think Jack was moved really good, but aside him, uh, not really much as far as star power. But to get back to your original question, um, the Ramirez Hooker fight. I don't have odds in front of me, honestly. Uh, so I would say the over would be something to look at because I don't see either guy getting stopped. I think if someone gets stopped, it's going to come on, you know, a technical decision, clash ahead, something like that. But I would say, you know, it's really up to the person. I don't think anything's a lock in the fight. For again, in my opinion, there could be some uh, corruption going on as far as hooker even though he may not need it as well so the fight itself could be a coin flip and then you factor in the possible swaying of the judges it's really hard for me to bet on the fight draw would have really good odds you know because you can see a draw happening that's probably going to be like plus 2500 give or take so you put ten dollars on a draw you get back 240 250 dollars mm-hmm. so ten dollars is worth a shot uh if you bet the over the over is probably going to be Something where you got to lay probably negative 250 or 350 range most likely. So maybe you can kind of parlay that with something else. Uh, or or if you're really confident on Hooker or Ramirez, you could take either or by decision. And both of those are going to want to be in plus money. But that's really up to the listener and what they think, uh, you know, who they think is going to come as the victor at the end of the night. And then they can kind of go with that one. But those would be, you know, the suggested ideas I could think of. I don't think anything's the lock, but I do think it's a lock that Davis wins by stoppage and stoppage early. So it's just a matter of how much you want to roll the dice, the one through three, or if you want to be a little bit safer and just do the one through six. Because if this guy goes past six rounds, they might as well stop the fight and just give Davis the L right there on the spot and just call <laughs> call it a night. I mean, that kid um, that fought him on the Conor Mayweather on the card and you like go eight rounds with him or some shit like that yeah th- that that was my fear of him coming in unmotivated with the weight not making the weight being slothy and that was the fight there where i was like you know that was my fear this kid though he's already been stopped early twice well once he was stopped early the other mm-hmm. fight he was dq'd in i think the second or third round by repeat of repetitive low blows and like you said style wise 
His style is made for Davis to knock him out early. It is made. I mean, his style is it's going to be a brutal knockout, man. Like, his style is made to get knocked the fuck out by Davis. That's pretty much well, I think Tom Brown is probably the matchmaker of this fight. Shout out to Tom Brown. But, you know, you watch Nunez on YouTube and you're like, he's a, a, a go forward kind of fighter. And that is not a good, that's not a good look against Davis. That's not, you need a Tevin Farmer. Uh, that, that is a tough stylistic matchup for Davis. You know, cause you know, Tevin Farmer is not going to stand right there. You know, he's going to set traps for him. Uh, which is probably why Davis and Floyd Mayweather and, and whoever is advising them doesn't want that fight. And I don't see that fight ever happening because, um, Farmer is just not a good matchup for Davis. He's just not. I don't know what you think about that fight, but I think Farmer would win that fight uh, pretty pretty easily. Pretty easily. Well, I figure I'll think about the fight when the fight's signed. Because I'm not going to think about fights I don't see ever being signed. So if that fight, sign it up, guys. You both fight this weekend. Sign up that fight. It's the only thing that makes sense next. Like, Neri and... um, the monster Inua, that's the only fight that makes sense next. Some of these fights are at the peak where this fight next should be made, and it's the only logical fight to make. So hopefully boxing promoters, the fans demand it. You know, don't support Tank Davis. He's just fighting Ichiban Mawaro, somebody that no one knows next. You know, just unknown people. Don't support these fights. Hometown fight in Baltimore. Know how he would fight Tevin Farmer next? Have two fans in that whole crowd. That's how. If, fan, if fans stop supporting these fights that no one cares about, you know, the, the better fights are going to be forced to get made because there's going to be no one else left for these guys to fight. But on some other news, show-wise, uh, we moved our podcasting day where you'll probably get the release on Thursdays and Fridays. Our thinking for this was, you know, we want to try focus on betting lines a little bit more which I'm a fan of betting, and Tim's starting to get into looking at the lines, reading the lines. And the other thing we also had is we recap usually a lot of fights, which takes up a lot of our showtime. But most of you people out there listening to us are boxing fans that have probably already seen these fights, know what happened. So I think we'll recap a lot less in future shows, and we'll focus also on special guests. We have next week a matchmaker in the sport, Tune in next week, and you'll get to hear him. We won't spoil the surprise. For people that are really into boxing, you'll know him. More uh, people that don't follow the interior workings of the sport may be unfamiliar, but he'll have a lot of good stories to tell, a lot of good insights. So basically, we're trying to focus more on betting lines and getting some guests in, especially over this next month. And instead of less recapping where fights, you know, that our listeners have already seen, so they already know what happened and may not even give a fuck about our opinion – but I think, you know, for the fans out there that are listening, I think it'll work out well because you're going to hear more of what we really wanted to do when we first started boxing talk than rather just this fight happened and, you know, this is what we thought about the fight and things like that. So I think it'll be an overall show improvement and people will get a better listen and a little bit better dive into the sport itself. Absolutely, man. I can't. Uh... I can't agree with you more, man. This is um, for the fans that are listening. Me and Thomas have known each other for a very long time, and uh, we both had very horrible experiences in the sport. And 
you know, I would love to share more of that, you know, and, and we will on future episodes. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people I can call out. You know, I'm not going to always say names, but the one thing that, you know, pissed me off was that West Taylor, David Long, how they just kind of passed right over that blood test. And since it was an opportune time to tell that story, again, I don't remember the local promoter in Ohio, but anybody can go a boxer. I can look up David Long, West Taylor and the fight and location to see the promoter. And if they want to try to sue me, well, I'll just bring West Taylor in to be, you know, <laughs> if word gets back to them, I'll bring West Taylor in to confirm the story. Cause that's basically what happened is that you just basically gave him a doctor's note saying his blood work was fine. So again, if West had AIDS, God forbid, let's say he was bringing that into that fight and then would have been good for a year and then bringing it into future fights. Exactly. Just a thought, just a thought. Uh, also contest wise, we didn't get as many submissions as I thought last episode was one of our, I think overall our best episode as far as listeners but we didn't get as many submissions. But I can tell you what, the people that have submitted are all tied for first. LeVar B. from Virginia, Stephen V. from San Diego. I'm not using last names because in case your friends try to get a piece of that $50 Amazon card, you just you don't want to you know, save that for yourself. And Ken W. from New York are all tied first place. So, again, for this upcoming fight, the Ramirez hooker, you just have to give – your winner, how it's going to happen, either decision or knockout. Knockout, you're getting a three-round uh, cushion. Decision, you're picking pretty much close, medium, or wide decision. Close is 10 points and under. Combined score, medium is 11 to 20. And then anything over is 21 and up. So if anyone had missed from last week, I mean, feel free to email cornerguysyahoo.com. You'd have to hope that these three guys bomb and you get it right. But stranger things have happened. But uh, basically, we want to try to get a show, um, not serious, excuse me, a contest for every big fight. Uh, we're starting small. So, you know, I did the $50 gift card this time, figuring it was two fights, $25. But, you know, at least to get it going every fight, that's a big fight. The next one will probably be Porter and Spence. We'll do a $25 gift card. Or if I'm feeling excited, maybe I will go $50. Uh, Amazon gift card, and we basically need you emails to picks, and that way when we have your email, if you win, we're sending it digitally where we can email you back the gift card. So for your boxing knowledge on this podcast, you can win $25 and $50 Amazon gift cards for big fights, so you can't ask so much more than that. And if you can also tell me who took a bigger L this week for Subway, was it Mike Lee or was it Jared a few years back from the whole thing? So who took a bigger L, Mike Lee or Jared? That's a question to ponder while you sit there this weekend. Definitely Mike Lee. Definitely Mike Lee. Definitely. Terrible. Terrible. It got to be, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see the retread of Mike Lee in two years when there's a prospect that needs a good record or a champ that just won the belt that wants an easy defense. We'll see Mike Lee again in the pay-per-view on the card, unfortunately. I mean, if it's... If I remember correctly, I think Jab from Subway won all his fights by knockout. So. <laughs> Not to make a joke of it, but, you know, hey. But again, also, you know, we didn't accuse any fighters on this podcast of PD usage unless they've been found out to fail a sample. Uh, you know, our opinions are our own and things of that nature. I just think with the smoke, there's fire. Pitchers don't throw 
a 92 mile an hour fastball when the 32 and then when the 38 it gets up to four uh 98 miles 100 miles an hour you know it doesn't happen you don't improve athletically with age you reach your peak which is usually late 20s maybe in some cases early 30s and then you decline so there we go on that note shout out to roger clemens that was one of the people that I was talking about with that. Yeah, Roger, we know you did steroids. Just admit it. I know. Maybe I don't follow baseball. Maybe you already admitted it. But, you know, the gig's up, Roger. We know. <laughs> it's up. Yeah. No, I mean, let, let me uh, just say, um, you know, I'm like you said, no one's accusing Pacquiao of doing anything. Um, it was a, it was a great win. Fuck Dylan White. Fuck Gerald Miller still. Uh, I hope that both of them never fight again. Uh, which they will, because that's boxing, as we alluded to this entire show. It's just, it's a sport of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances, you know. They, I mean, this was a, you know, this was a very interesting episode of uh, the Corner Guys. Very sad episode because we've come to the conclusion that the sport that we love will probably never be fixed. Sad but true. But until next week, everybody. This is Thomas Strandbox. Signing off. We'll see you next week. We'll have a special guest. We'll give the contest winner and sign off, Tim, and then we'll be off until the next week. All right, man. Uh, shout out to Cletus Seldon as usual. Peace. <laughs>